Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton Third, We are continuing our coverage of the Disney Plus series, Moon Knight, Episode 5. My goodness, Asylum. We got to get into it. A lot of things happening. And first, let's introduce the panel. The super producer, Jake Christie's in the house. Jake, how are you? I'm doing well, AC. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm excellent. And while one Jerome Chang is on assignment... Uh, he's doing stuff at the NFL Draft. We do have somebody in place, a, a guest, a friend of the show. Man, and and in advance, we, we've just got to say congratulations because this man is now a producer for the uh, Lebetard and Friends Network, doing Cinephobe and Basketball Illuminati, Basketball Illuminati, Basketball Illuminati. Say it three times and keep your third eye open. Anthony Mays is in the house. Mays, what's up, bro? Yo, I'm back, folks, and you didn't give me the filler episode this time. You gave me the good episode, so you <laughs> must like me now that I'm on Levitard. Wow. I honestly forgot that that was a controversy that happened, that we gave you the filler episode. Yeah, people don't forget, Jake. That's fair. I, I Honestly, I wouldn't forget, so I, I understand. We also okay, I mean, we made up for it. I came back for the finale of Loki. That's right. we, we we had another redemption. Right, right. On oh, right. Yeah, you're right. But this beef was already squashed. Why are you bringing up old shit? <laughs> <laughs> I meant it more as a way to talk about how exciting this episode was. I was actually making oh. it a positive, but way to dwell for on the sure. negative. But I'm happy to be here with you guys, even though Jerome, my favorite of the three of you, isn't here. I'll get over it. <laughs> yeah, he's my favorite, too. Oh, we love Jerome. We miss you, dog. We'll see you next week. But yeah, as customary when it comes to these shows, and we have a guest who, ha- who hasn't weighed in as of yet, how have you taken in this series so far, Mr. Mays? Yeah, I'm going to try not to derail your guys' agenda here too much by talking about Severance and Better Call Saul that I know AC <laughs> has been enjoying as well but yes Yes. we're here to talk about moon knight the show moon knight on disney (laughs) plus i gotta say the first four episodes i was dipping my toes in the pool i'm like all right you know this is this is a show this is what they do this is is this the fifth disney plus series since they started i believe it is yeah it's the fifth live action it's the fifth live action not counting what if right yeah which you shouldn't don't bother I did. I I tried. I did a little bit there, and then I bailed. But I yeah. I do want to know at some point your guys's power rankings for the five live action Disney Plus. Well, series. that's that something we can do at the end of uh, later, at the end of Moon Knight. Yes. Oh, you're not willing to to pass judgment just yet, unlike everybody on the internet, I suppose. No, I, I will not. <laughs> Moon Knight. I mean, Ethan Hawke, love it. Oscar Isaac, love it. Overall. The storytelling has been fine. I thought there was some creative stuff in the first episode with the the cutting in and out of his consciousness. I like that and all of that. But this was a, this was a run of the mill like okay whatever series until this episode, which is why I'm so stoked to be talking to you guys today. Oh, absolutely! And listen, after for us specifically, me and Jake, it's been a month. Uh, we've had to wait. Yeah to watch uh after yeah the let's wait. talk about that you guys are big time now huh you, you got the, you're on the screener life you drop dropping <laughs> episodes the day that the show comes out that's crazy what happened yeah uh ac sent an email like honestly everything that good that's ever happened to our show is ac messaging someone <laughs> ac sending an email ac 
finding a way through the cracks to get into a uh, Disney Avenue. And lo and behold, we're watching the first four episodes of Moon Knight a month in advance. But, uh, you know, it's thinking about it and waiting over the month, the way that that fourth episode ended, it was just like, oh, holy shit, what are we going to do? Until that time period, just figuring out what's going to happen. And now we have Asylum, where we dive into basically a, a, a decent, a decent almost, not, I wouldn't say panel for panel, but a really good adaptation of the the Jeff Lemire run of uh, Moon Knight when he was in the Asylum as well. That That part overall was interesting, obviously with different types of twists. We get into the whole ancestral plane stuff, which obviously has connections to Black Panther and stuff like that. So, and then we really, what, what really happens here is we find out the true story of Mark Spector and how he got here and how Stephen Grant got here. So, in terms of just general thoughts on the episode, uh, Jake, I'll start with you here. What did you think of how, of the direction that this show took? And specifically after a month off of not having seen anything, how did that how did that uh, grab you? I mean, I really liked the way that this episode unfolded. Um, I don't know how much it was affected by the month. I think that while this is not what I expected to happen, I think that some people's reactions to last week were like, kind of actually taking seriously the possibility that he might actually just be in an asylum. And it's like, obviously that's not true. Obviously something else is going yeah. on. So it's not like I was surprised by anything that happened. Um, Wait, what do you mean, Jake? Meaning that I think some people watched the last episode and were like, Wait, maybe this whole show actually has been happening in his head. And like, Doesn't it? I don't think so. I I I, th- I thought you that's seem kind of mighty determined and confident that that it's not happening in its. I mean, for one, I think that that would be a horrible decision for Disney to do with their new character. Uh, mm. But I also think that um, I don't know. I got the vibe at the end of this episode that it was uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just overly confident. And I also think that all in their head storytelling is almost always bad. And when people say it as a fan theory, it makes me want to throw them in a river. But um, <laughs> I, I think that. I liked. I was kind of surprised that they did the whole like this is the afterlife thing. Um, but the thing that the show needed to do, and we talked about this, was that at some point, as much as people audiences like Stephen, Stephen would have to be told that he's not real, you know. And yes. that I liked the way they handled it a lot because I, I like that even though Mark can be shown to be ruthless in some ways, he really didn't want to tell Stephen he wasn't real. Like I think. It's an important character note that was faced with the fact that his scales aren't balanced, that like his heart wasn't balanced with the feather. On some level, he probably knew that he needed to resolve the tension with Steven. And the fact that he put so much effort into not doing that, I think was really compelling to me because it did, he didn't need to do that. And it really, even though the episode ended with us knowing that Steven's not a real person, it almost made him feel more real that Mark treated him as, as such. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Maze, how about you in terms of how you, you really like this episode? So what's, what specifically stood out to you? Well, anytime you can get two Oscar Isaacs and a hippo doing the heavy lifting <laughs> for your dramatic scene work and character development, I say go for it every single time. I can't turn off the part of my brain when I watch something 
new that just goes, this is the mummy plus fight club. You know, like that's the first Mm. couple episodes. Right. And this episode in particular is almost exactly the same stuff that we've already done with the show Legion, which came out, I want to say 2016, 2017. It's also based on a comic book. It's X-Men adjacent. It's Dan Stevens. And it's Noah. Oh, man. Noah Noah, whatever is Noah Hawley. Creator of Fargo. And while Legion did it a lot better, (laughs) uh, because I think a Legion is legion is almost perfect this is accessing the same stuff that legion dealt with which is like is it real is it fake is he crazy is he being a host to a parasitic like psychic entity in his mind like what's happening exactly and they condense it all into this one episode in the middle of their mummy indiana jones temple raiding action that we've been having up to this point and i really enjoyed the way they delved into the character i think oscar isaac was incredible but my only question is why are we getting this in episode five and why is there only six episodes ac back to you so this has been the contention of a lot of people on the internet who have had which I want to point out that I am I am not doing the same objection that they are right right exactly because and I don't know for me I feel differently about it just because of how and it's kind of my own view on the MCU stuff in general because you know one thing has to lead to the next thing and has to lead to the next thing so because we know they're doing the werewolf special later in the year, because we know Blade's coming, and now that we know that Elsa Bloodstone is going to be in the werewolf special, there is a streamline to Midnight Suns, which is the whole supernatural gang in, in Marvel. So you get the sense that this is what they're building to. And maybe it's one of those instances where the wrap-up next week is not exactly the wrap-up that people are expecting in terms of the origin story of Mark Spector and all of his personalities. But for me, because I have more of a big-picture look on these things, I don't mind it. I do think the episode placement is odd because there's a lot of stuff going on with Arthur Harrow that I would like to know more of, and I don't feel like we're going to get that next week it's just going to kind of be like right into the fight because the, and another like sidebar about this show is that there isn't a lot of fighting in this show this show is very psychological and i think it has led to people being critical of it in that sense because they feel like they're waiting for just honestly some more violence because well, those Knight, people i i honestly don't I said it before, but there are some complaints on the internet I right. don't care about. That is one I if you're if you have a point beyond just I want to see more fighting or whatever. But I also think even from a not big picture perspective, yeah, I agree that I want to see more stuff about Arthur. But I actually think that the episode in which Steven learns he's not real can't be that much further before the finale because that's kind of a pretty climactic 
part of his of the character development. Like, I actually don't know how much yeah. longer you could sustain the arc of the show. If Steven learns he's not real and there's three episodes left, I don't know what Mark does for those next three episodes. You know what I mean? Um, like, I, I wouldn't mind if this was, if there was more episodes total, but I don't think you can have this ending of an episode and have more than one or two more episodes afterwards because... He, this the, the 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 beyond the actual like arc of the mm-hmm. you know stopping Harrow bit the personal arc we've been tracking with Mark and Steven is almost a, is at the climax at the moment and so right. I don't know how much longer you could sustain afterwards I would like I would have liked the show to be longer overall but I I, I actually am pretty happy with the ending before the last episode being that Steven might be gone and what how is Mark supposed to handle that. Maze, I want to hear your thoughts on this. I do have a point, but I, I want to let you go off of what we just talked about. Yeah, I want to clarify just a little bit. So I, I see what you're saying, Jake, but I don't think that you have to tell Steven that he's not real as soon as you introduce the asylum, for example. Like, I think that that's more what I mean. Mm. And while I agree that, like, the conclusion point that we get to by the end of this episode is necessary to be towards the end of the series run. Mm -hmm. What I'm getting at more is introduce this astral plane, this mind palace, this device earlier. Mm -hmm. I really thought episode four was a whole bunch of filler. It did not do it for me. It's like, Oh, it's going to this tomb and there's like one, one evil zombie guy. And, you know, I guess it was, focusing a little bit more on Layla and we get the revelation about her father dying and Mm -hmm. stuff, which is immediately paid off here. But it's like, I felt like that one really dragged and I was not interested. And I felt like this one, I wasn't interested the whole time. So I guess what I'm getting at is we start the show in an interesting way with from Steven's perspective, not really knowing about Mark and then kind of peeling that back. Mm -hmm. And I would say in episode three, you could have done something that puts him, in this memory stuff and start working on it a little bit earlier. I understand that we ended up there because he got shot and he's in between life and death and stuff like that. But since he's about to be miraculously revived by the Khonshu suit, I think that I think they could have figured out a way to get this in earlier. And that's, that's all I meant by that. I don't mean like the events of what happened in this episode. I mean like the concept of this world that we, that's fair. I I also just think the reality is that either the creative team or Kevin Feige was just not interested in making the show. A lot of that. I think that that is, I think that there's a reason why Legion was on FX and this is on Disney plus. And I think there's a reason why I don't yell at me. I gave up after at Legion after four episodes because I didn't like that. I didn't know if it was real or fake and sorry. Get him off the show. (laughs) AC. This is it. Last straw. I, I, that's just a personal thing for me. If 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 the conceit of a show is we don't know if it's real or fake, I am not watching. I don't care. That's I whatever. I, I don't also, lie to me. I also really liked the Ethan Hawke performance as Doctor Hair. I thought that was oh, yeah. awesome. He was great. And like I I think just toying with the idea of like what you just complained about. Yeah. <laughs> For a little I, I, bit longer yeah. than one episode would have been good for the show. I, Since I, we are already getting that from the jump. I think right. that that's fair. I think that the actual thing that the show wants to explore is more the multiple personalities aspect of it and not the real. I think that like in the beginning of it and what, it, especially listening to the people who made it talk about it, it seems like they really just honed in on, we want to yeah. have a realistic portrayal of dissociative identity disorder. And so I think that any like realistic what is, portrayal. I'm, I'm just saying, I, 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 what? Know this, I know. 
uh, that they wanted to ha- explore that. Their words, not and his. I don't <laughs> oh think. I don't get the vibe that a question of is this real life or is this just fantasy was the thing that they that was even was a through line up until this part. And like I said, Wait I actually the don't. Think, he's caught in a landslide, dude. Yeah, exactly. With no escape from reality. But I think that. Um, I guess what I'm just trying to say, I just don't actually think that they were putting their whole back into making you think that this might not be real. And I so that just leads me to believe that was not something they're interested in. Yeah, it's been pretty clear to me from the beginning, this show was designed to be a character-driven show and not a plot-driven show. Like, the plot is, I would say, like, pretty basic for the most part. And they want to focus on, hey, this is Mark Spector. Hey, this is Stephen Grant. These are the issues that they have. And we're going to peel back the layers as we go. And yeah, okay, here's here's um Arthur Harrow on the side. Here's Layla here too. And the Moon Knight suit and Kanchu hanging out on the side and and uh one Jake Lockley, um, who we'll get into shortly. But yeah, it's it's always felt from the beginning, and that's why, like, even with some of the critiques of the show, it's been consistent in that aspect throughout the entire time. That's why, like, for me. I thought episode four was fun, and I thought that the ending was even more fun uh, with with Taroet and seeing that that aspect of things come into and come into play. So for me, it's one of the most I would say consistent MCU shows. It doesn't blow you away because I you even get you even get the critiques that some people are, and and again this goes to uh, to Jake's uh, pet peeve about the whole fighting thing. The people, there are some people who are legitimately, legitimately like, oh, this is kind of boring. I don't view it that way because I think the interplay between not only uh, Mark and Steven and Layla, that triangle aspect that we talk, talked about in episode four, that stuff is interesting. And Harrow is just a fascinating and interesting character. So that's that's where I'm at with it. And I feel like episode five was just another example of them kind of switching things up. And then we dive even more into the character, which for Mark Spector, because we get Steven so early and the majority of the first episode is just Steven, when we now get to here, as we see Mark built up as this very strong and very, a very strong willed, uh, I'll save us, the, all those lines that he said earlier in the in the show we see the fear we see the unhinged version of him here and i thought that was that was very relevant as to why steven got in control in the first place so i thought that was a very nice facelift uh for for the show as we go but but yeah man so there was a there was a scene in the in the asylum as uh dr harrow aka ned flanders was was yep. uh, love that <laughs> that was a great, great little touch. Was talking to. Did you notice how the entire asylum was left-handed? <laughs> oh wow! That's a, oh wow. Um, I think there was a moment there where they're having this conversation, and it feels like Mark kind of snaps, but it doesn't feel like Mark. Now, Jake, there's another Jake. That's, Unfortunately, that's uh, that seems like it's on the way, and we, and again we know, as uh, Jeremy Slater has said, 
there is a character that we have not seen yet, so I'm going to guess we're going to get it in the finale, and that will be the third personality one, Jake Lockley. What did you think of Oscar Isaac's uh, little switch there for that 20-second stretch? Other Jake. I'm, I mean, expect knowing that the Jake Lockley character, or like the third personality was coming, I could tell that that was supposed to be another person, although I'm not sure if I didn't know that there was going to be a third personality that I would think it was not Mark. But the accent was a little different. The vibe was a little different. And so I, I, I think it was just, also because the moment he grabbed something as a weapon, I was kind of, my ears perked up and I was listening to the way he was acting. It's like, okay, I think that this is the other personality. Um, but I, I, I like that it's not, that it's still pretty subtle um, because I think a lot of people, you know, might be, people on the Discord even are questioning what how they introduce maybe a third personality so late. But I also think that like, well, it's not that it's not a big personality. It's you know only in spurts. So I actually don't mind that it's only right. Be. They've been teasing it the entire time. I mean, yeah, they he showed up in episode three. I mean, you could make There's the argument. A... You could make the argument he showed up in episode one. Um, in one of the, in some of the blackouts you mean yeah yeah i mean but th- there's the moment in episode three where yeah. mark and steven are like that wasn't me exactly mm-hmm. right so you're saying is it the one with the with the fucked up face yes with the, the shit kicked out of him and he has yeah. he's holding the the pyramid there okay mm-hmm. that makes sense i'll yeah. watch that again yeah, that, that that part, and you know, whenever we get Jake, and then Jake, if if you know from the if from the comics, he is the more violent version of uh, of Moon Knight. So, like when that when that comes into play, and, uh, maybe that would be the fight with uh, Arthur Harrow um, in the next episode. That'll be that'll be interesting to see the 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 ancestral plane stuff. Um, I thought uh, is that there actually was... a specific name for it, and I don't. I, you keep saying that, but isn't it, it doesn't have a specific name? Was the it's the was it? I think it's the the, it's the, yeah, it's the land between between. Well, because I, 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 I believe. Oh it's no, it's the, the, actual... it's the, du- the duat, the duat. Yeah, because I don't want to be disrespectful, because it's actually it's not it's not just a general thing; it's an actual uh, right. religious thing. So it's a duat. Duat. So we have that, and the tipping of the scales, which really ends up being the plot of the episode, uh, both. Stephen and Mark have to find a way to tip the scale, have the scales even, or else their souls will be destroyed. So this leads them down a little bit of a rabbit hole down memory lane. We get the the origin of Moon Knight itself in in terms of Kanchu. Uh Maze, you you have a look like you want like you like you want to weigh in here. You got oh, something? Man, it's the tale as old as time. The wrong kid died. I made the same joke on Discord. <laughs> The uh, wrong I, kid died. Yeah, the brother, I, I, the favorite brother, can't can't swim in the cave. Which yeah. I think is really his fault more than anything else. You know, like just learn how to swim, kid. But uh, yeah, well, also, what, so are they in Chicago? And then they just yeah. go on a little walk, and then and they're all cave. of a sudden in like a deep forest where there's a cave with water in it that fills up and drowns them. Like what? I didn't, I didn't yeah, really understand the geography Chicago. of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of ways that someone can accidentally die as a child. Not that I want to see any of those depicted, right. but yeah. a cave in Chicago is kind of like, yeah. I, it definitely. I think that that aspect of it was like, it just was really predictable and kind of it just cheesy. And I think the fact that Walk Hard the Dewey Cox story makes a joke about it in a 2007 movie means that it's not something that people should still sincerely be putting in plots. Um, 
but I think that like they played straight, and I think that all the the way that they play it is done well. Mm. It just as a thing, it's like it also. While I'm sure that that has happened with people realistically. I guess maybe I just come from an incredibly healthy family, but it does just feel, ring so untrue to me unless it's something that's much more negligent. Like if it's like the hereditary situation where someone was speeding and they brought a, someone to a party they shouldn't have been to, like that okay. I understand more. But like if you're 10 and you're exploring with your brother and one of you drowns, I just don't believe, I mean, maybe maybe I just had the most loving mother in the world, but I don't believe that there's anything I could do accidentally at 10 that would make my mother hate me for the rest of my life. I just don't believe that. Well, clearly she didn't. She didn't. It's not that she started hating him after that. She hated him before. That's true. The You're other right. So yeah, she was. I think she was just a terrible mother to begin with, which you know sucks yes. for him. And also, the dad. What are you doing, bro? Like you, you, you just set the candle up and the cake up, and you leave the room so the mom can just empty the clip on your son. Like you only got one left. You got to take care of this kid. I don't know. You know, childhood trauma. I get it. Like, I, I think that the way that they set up the alternate personality creation was mm-hmm. good the the intricate little details of it okay i can quibble with a little bit but i like the you know stephen grant is a is a b movie future cinephobe legend <laughs> and that's where the accent comes from is them doing that i liked all that and i but so let me let me make sure i get this straight yes stephen only exists when the mom is not going ape shit. Which that's the part that seems backwards to me is like Mark No, it's created... the opposite. No, Steven is there when the mom like he he exists, I think, when she's going ape shit, I thought. I or But Steven keeps talking about how he that's not my mom. He never oh, right. I remember he never experienced her. that. Right. Right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, you're right. I think that so, yeah, he he created a personality for himself to live in that he didn't have the trauma. Right. right, but it's but that's that seems that seems backwards, right? And I guess yeah. that that is headed that is supposed to confuse you because you're they're really trying to make you think Stephen is the main one. I yeah. guess. Yeah, I feel like with the way that the show started and right, you know, all that. So, but but creating the the alternate personality to not deal with the trauma, I don't understand as much as creating the personality to deal with the trauma. So that I, was I, a little. I, I'm. I'm sure that they just the way they talked about it. I'm sure they actually did consult with actual psychologists on it. And I guess what I would guess the explanation is that the mind creates a place you can go to where you can pretend that you're not, you don't have trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause the, the thing too, is that um, dissociative identity disorder re- really only manifests in children. And it is usually to do with repeated abuse. Um and so, like, I don't know, but I I don't know if it usually is that they go into their second personality while they're getting abused or vice versa. But I'm also sure that to the extent it happens, it probably has happened both ways. Um, but I do think I do agree with you that the, it being a B movie character, I think, is really interesting. And it also makes should make everyone who made fun of his accent eat crow because he's not actually British. Exactly. So and there also like. Mm-hmm. who didn't realize that come on that was just so dumb when people were like oh my god is that actually the real accent he's doing it's like it's another personality shut up <laughs> it's also <laughs> no, funny agree. like come on man. like it's yeah. he's doing a good funny like fairly fake british accent and, and it's it's a full character too which is that it's not like even though the, the voice is kind of funny oscar isaac is such a talented actor that he can do a funny voice but then still create a character with real pathos um yeah. which is uh impressive 
No, one I, thing I, I love yeah. from this, and one question that I have is, yes. I, I love that in the beginning, Kanchu was calling him the idiot, mm-hmm. and then in this episode, Tawaret calls him the smart one. I love mm-hmm. that. That yep. was fantastic. It's all about perspective. And then my question is, did Mark set up like a AI voicemail of the like who has he been calling and then there's the scene where he's running around in the street right after the funeral and it's like it's that classic shit of when you pretend you're on your phone but then his screen is like youtube or something like that so i think i thought that was intentional i thought that he's fully deluding himself into believing he's talking to his mom so he's never called his mom yeah yeah i i that's the impression i got i also got the impression that before his mom's death steven was not didn't come out that often that like he didn't have a full life if that makes sense like that the first time he really like had a job and all these different things was after his mom's death because i got the impression that he was something that only came out occasionally yeah mark said that that's when he like lost his grip on it was that right right and yeah i I think the fact that they dive into the the trauma aspect the abuse aspect boy this mcu this face (laughs) <laughs> Nothing but family drama and people, family de- deaths. My my God, they putting people through the ringer, man. From right from the beginning. It's, I mean, let's not pretend that that's not every superhero ever, though. Batman parents die. You know, <laughs> Superman gets sent away because his parents are going to get blown up. Spider Man uncle dies in his arms. Like this is not new. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, and, where's and, the hero that just had a nice, you know, calm upbringing? Where's that hero? I wonder if Miss Marvel, Miss Marvel might be the one. Miss Marvel might, Miss Marvel might be the one. Uh, we'll see how that one shakes out, but that's the one that feels like that's that's always been framed as the most positive of the of the heroes. Just the, I th- we definitely need it at this point. I mean, because even Hawkeye, which was fun, had her parents. One of them died, and the other one she had to arrest. So. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that <laughs> Shang Chi family drama. My yeah, it's just like it's all all over the Nothing place. Nothing but that. family drama, man. That's, that's I mean, as someone who comes from a stable two parent household, I don't feel seen. <laughs> that's why you're not cut out to be a superhero, Jake. We just no, saw I, it right I, there. Uh, yes, it's that is the your, reason. Your parents didn't let you and your brother go swimming in a dangerous <laughs> cave that suddenly fills up from the bottom. What the fuck kind of physics is that? Yeah, I know I, that Conchu's. Conchu's little like symbol, like the the bird skeleton, was outside. So clearly, he had something to do with it. But come on, man. I, yeah. I think it's yeah. Flash floods don't make a lot of sense to me. I uh, yeah. I I'm just I'm trying to imagine what in what universe my mom, my very overprotective mother, would let me swim in a cave. And it's very funny to me. Um, I don't think she'd let me go into a cave even when there was no water. But anyway, continue. No, it, it, it's a good point that that Maze mentions Conchu because we do also get the the uh, moon knight origin we get the the layla father's death situation and Kanchu basically taking advantage of that um of a dying mark to not only save him but have him serve and the Kanchu control aspect that we've talked about in previous episodes I wonder how that's going to play out in the finale now that it seems like in going back through these memories now mark maybe has a little bit more of a clearer picture of what that is and what that looks like. And we, and we know that Kanchu is eyeing Layla as a potential successor to that. It, I'm, I'm 
very, very curious to see what what Kanchu has in store for us once he is revived. Maze, what have you thought of the whole Kanchu story and and how that's been portrayed throughout this? As uh, the person who will indubitably pick Gods of Egypt for a future Cinephobe episode, you know, I'm a big Kanchu guy. <laughs> from day one i've been down with conchu i love f murray abraham's voice performance he's such a magically sarcastic and bitter version of this god my biggest question and i we'll get to this later this is a later question for sure this is not a right now question Mm -hmm. but we're bringing gods into this shit like and we're giving them actual powers and we're having secret meetings inside of temples this seems like a pretty big step in a direction that i'm not sure how they're going to handle but in terms of Kanshu himself <laughs> he just seems like your classic middle management god no real power really cranky about it and his whole thing is just i'm gonna beat people's ass mm-hmm that's yep. that's the god <laughs> that we get for this show it's interesting I was not really expecting that to be the storyline because, you know, unlike AC, I'm not doing the comic research. I'm, I'm coming into Moon Knight. I don't even know who the fuck this dude is. I know it's Oscar mm-hmm. Isaac. I know it's Ethan Hawke. But, yeah, Khonshu, I mean, he, he's clearly going to have his hold on Mark Spector for a long time because otherwise Mark Spector wouldn't matter. Right. He's not a superhero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, that, I, yeah. Go ahead, Jake. The the thing I really liked though about the scene where he gets you know makes a deal with Conchu is that Stephen observes that he's being taken advantage of, that it's um that like it's seen it's seen as like a horrible like although obviously Conchu is not always wrong in that he's right about Harrow and the pursuit of stopping him is the right thing to do. I think that. And I mentioned this in episode when we talked about episode three that Harrow's criticism of Conchu taking advantage of an unstable yes. person is correct. That like he actually is being done wrong by this god. And while obviously at the moment he didn't want to die, like the, it 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 was incredibly unfair for him to make that proposition at the moment of his death. And Conchu knew that he was doing that he was being unfair. And so I think that um, the way that that's done, I like. I hear you, and it feels very PC to be like, Conchu, yeah. you know, took advantage of him, but like, he was gonna die. Like, yes, I, I agree, but I think that Conchu making his offer to someone who couldn't fully evaluate what they're being asked to do, as I think, I, we're to presume, I think that. Gods can ask anyone to be their avatar. And yeah. the fact that Kanchu chose someone who was at the on death's door meant that they he, he the fact that he was doing that on purpose meant that he knew that if he just pitched to someone who wasn't incentivized not to die, they wouldn't say yes. And so that is inherently morally shitty, I would say. I don't know. I kind of read it a little differently. I didn't get the sense that they could ask anyone, and definitely not Kanchu could ask anyone because it's maybe like, not, yeah. They ended up at his temple. It's kind of like a genie in the in right, the lantern right. situation. Mm-hmm. You're right. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, it still was a it still was a bad deal. I mean, maybe not overall, but I think sometimes Mark wishes he died instead. But yeah, and then the other thing you said was like Conchu's definitely wrong. I, I'm not saying he's right, but like don't yeah. by all means don't condone what Conchu's doing. But we're we're just getting into a 
two gods with different methodologies spat. We've got Khonshu and we've got Amit. Amit's trying to, you know, launch her own spinoff of Minority Report and just mm -hmm. precog <laughs> everyone to death. That's great. But, like, both of them are just all about killing people, so they're both wrong. It's just they have different yeah. approaches to it. Con like, Khonshu waits for you to fuck up, and then you get the the hammer of the moon and then Amit's like I'm not even going to let you do this shit you're going to your room prematurely mm -hmm. so here's here's a question do we feel like especially with the Harrow the Dr. Harrow scenes because there's a lot of cutting between the stuff we get with Tarouet and the talking to Harrow at one point even Stephen starts talking to, to Dr. Harrow as well What's the differentiation there? Because that part, I was a little, like, is it, it's clear, obviously, it's something that Mark created, as he said earlier in the episode. But then the difference there, is Harrow involved in that aspect? Or is Harrow just a creation in that same, in that same um, ideal? Because I wasn't necessarily sure. I That's have a thought, but I don't know if Mace has an answer. I mean, I read it as a projection. Yeah, okay. I didn't, I didn't read that as a he's he's really there. He's got any sort of power, especially because it does the thing that almost every other like memory projection of someone does, where the main piece of advice that Harrow gives is the thing that Mark knows he needs to do but doesn't want to do. You know, and that is a very common yeah. plot thing to do. And the fact that Harrow tells him the thing he needs to do is talk to Steven and explain, you know, and love with him that he needed to project someone else to tell him that, you know? Um, and it, uh, and so the fact that it happened to be a manifestation of like the villain, I think is kind of not coincidental, but just a thing that, a, a thing that happened to happen, um, which mm -hmm. I guess means coincidental. Um, but so I think that he's just imagining, he's trying to recontextualize, everything he's experiencing and because in his recontextualization harrow is a doctor then harrow is the one who tells him you know gives him the advice and happens to actually tr is kinder to him than mark right. is to himself often which is i think a kind of nice thing yeah that's actually yeah that seems yeah that's a yeah that's something different that i that i don't get me wrong i liked it i i, I love those scenes that those were fun um seeing Arthur in kind of like a different light there was was pretty cool. Now, to kind of go back to some of the scenes that we saw as Mark was going through his going through his memories, did this put into what do you feel like this did for the character besides it, it's easy to be like, oh yeah, we got to the point where his his scales are even. Uh, Jake, do you feel like this did anything for the viewer in terms of the, the crystallization of his character? I mean, I don't know how much more they would need to do than to explain where Steven came from. Because that kind of is like, if you were to explain the character, the most interesting part of him is that he has two distinct personalities. Mm -hmm. And so I, I also think that a lot of it kind of doesn't need to be said like we get that he clearly comes from a troubled home, had a troubled upbringing. He mentions offhandedly that he was in the military, but then had to leave because he was going AWOL randomly, presumably because of the different personalities. And so I think both because Oscar Isaac is a really good actor. And, and to be frank, I didn't 
have a lot of questions about Mark Spector's personality already, other than the Steven part, because I kind of already just get who he is based on his performance. And mm-hmm. so, like, I, I didn't need that much answered, especially because I think that a, you know, angry guy who was in the military and then became a mercenary is like, in terms of fiction, is a pretty stock not that interesting character. And the thing that's different about this one is he has two personalities. And so once you solve that, then I can kind of fill in the rest anyway. Right, right. Maze, you have any thoughts on, on, on just Mark in general? Since it, it feels like we got an understanding of who he is here. I mean, I found Steven more interesting. He is honestly. more interesting. Yeah, he is. Like, like Steven is... Steven is the one who actually knows about all this ancient Egypt stuff and Mark's just kind of the heavy. So Mark... I thought episode two was episode two was the point. Like we like Steven already, but episode two, the scenes with Harrow, I think the moral conundrums that he was posing as they were right. having that conversation where it was, was the standout moment. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that scene, even though Arthur Harrow's a vegan, which is a red flag to me. I, <laughs> found his argument compelling as and i love the internet reaction that i saw all over the place which is like classic marvel villain makes a really good point and then just randomly kills some people for no reason (laughs) it's like oh yeah that's exactly what happened like you know who would get along with amit a lot fucking thanos would really be down Mm -hmm. with this amit situation so i i i find i find arthur harrow way more compelling than Mark Spector. Like, yeah. I, I'm way more oh, yeah. interested yeah, in, yeah, like, yeah. what was it like when Arthur Harrow was hanging out with Khonshu? How did he get away from Khonshu? Like, and everything that he's at now as this cult leader, you know, like, that's that's more interesting to me. But, yeah, in terms of just Mark, like, he's, he's just your classic guy trying to do too much. Mm. Like, he's trying to, you know protect Layla. He's trying to protect himself kind of by creating Steven. He's channeling all his rage against his mom into just random acts of violence across the globe. Like he's kind of your more generic character. So he's fine. And the reason I asked that is because it's pretty clear that this character is going to be doing something going forward. So you want it to be compelling, which leads me to as we get towards the end of this episode and they're having the fight uh, with all those all those demons and Steven finally sand gets zombies. in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, shout out to the sand zombies. And Steven finally gets in into the fight and uh, he's kicking some ass and he saves Mark, but he goes over the over the edge of the boat. And it seems like he is gone for the time being, which I, I'm sure uh, disappointed a bunch of folks because everybody kind of really likes Steven. So where does this leave uh, our guy Mark and presumably our guy Jake? That's the question as we go into as we go into the finale as he's in the field of reads. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that obviously Steven, I don't think, is gone forever um, because, you know, that would just be kind of bad fiction but i also i think that i think the fact that mark is not that interesting is not really an accident in that mm-hmm. he's one because we talk about steven and marcus that they're different characters but they are actually they only have 
the amount of time of one person's life. You know what I mean? So like any a lot of the interesting stuff that would be interesting stuff about Mark if he only had one personality is stuff that goes in the Steven bucket. You know what I mean? But like right. the physical person who is, has the birth certificate, Mark Spector, was the one who knew all that stuff about Egypt, was the person who did this, that, and the other. So I think that part of the reason I think Mark is so uninteresting is because a lot of the interesting parts of his personality, Steven has. Um, and so I think that because of that, mm. what Mark is going to need in the finale and what they set him up for is to need Steven, you know, and to to not be able to solve the problem without him and however they get him back is I think going to be one of the compelling parts of it. But I think that the fact that there's so much wanting with Mark as a character, I I think is going to actually manifest itself in however the finale, you know, goes about. Yeah. AC, I want to ask you when your severed personality dies, what happens to you? (laughs) That's a great, great, great question. Um, Damn. You die in the Matrix. Yeah. What happens to your real body? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, we know that they they liquefy it. That's actually that's that's canon. Because it seems like instead of your scout, your scales balancing, it might kind of fuck you up if you created an alternate personality and then you left it in the underworld. But I guess we'll find out. That's next week, huh? Mm -hmm. And also (laughs) that raises that raises a lot of good questions too about what constitutes a soul, and that like clearly the the egyptian gods view a separate personality as a separate soul i'm yeah. positive that the archdiocese would not agree with that uh explanation. Hey man, that was the first hieroglyphic i ever saw was if you have multiple personalities you have multiple souls i'm that's... pretty sure that's on the rosetta stone actually yes um, exactly but yeah that definitely is legitimately a metaphysical question that the show is not equipped for and i don't think should answer but the Mm. fact that this treats it as if there are two different people when like i mean that's obviously the minefield you get into whenever you try to combine mental illness with you know magic yeah you know you can you can hire as many consultant psychiatrists and psychologists as you want i don't think any of them have the answer to that question also i think the i almost would guarantee that the psychologist would say that they know they distinctly are not two separate people um mm. which i think is probably the problem but also you know we don't know any souls you know are they real or are they not do they weigh 21 grams you know no we, yeah man i do nah. know that mark specter is gonna have to pay the troll toll to get this boy's soul back next episode yep. pay the troll toll. oh man yeah i think that i think that part of next week how mark gets because I mean, really think about it this way. And now we can kind of get to the, huh, what do they need to do in this? What do they need to do in this finale? Obviously got to free Conchu, uh, save Layla, presumably, as I'm sure Harrow has her, and stop Harrow at the same time. So all of those things are in play for next week. So it should should be at the very least um, uh, a, a very interesting episode to see from the viewer's standpoint in terms of how they get these things over and finish them off because the these marvel shows and we've talked about it a bunch on on this on this podcast they seem to have a little bit of an issue with some of these finales not to say that this won't be good or whatever it just seems like they almost kind of get caught up in the air with either not being able to I guess, close out everything cleanly or just kind of doing stuff and skipping over uh, certain aspects that we saw in the previous episode. So 
uh, amazed as, as, as a TV surveyor and as an overlord of this whole TV thing. How do you see the finale playing out? What are you looking forward to in, in terms of how it's going to go? I mean, I think you hit a couple of things on the head, which is that they'll like, I think WandaVision is the best example of this. They did some mm-hmm. really cool stuff in WandaVision. And then the finale was like, let's blast each other from the sky with energy. And then <laughs> let's undo everything we've done and pretend like it didn't happen and just move on with some character development and a white vision. You know, um, <laughs> they've been conductors like, WandaVision was a conductor. Falcon and Winter Soldier, I can sum up in one sentence. Sam Wilson becomes Captain America. The end. That's all that happened in that show. Hawkeye, I wish that was all that happened in that show, but... I... That's all yes. that, sorry, sorry, Jake. That's the only thing that matters from that right. show. True, yeah. Hawkeye was... We're going to give Jeremy Renner a send-off. We're going to bring in the next MCU superstar <laughs> in Florence Pugh. And we're also going to introduce, you know, reintroduce in a different way, Kingpin and also Echo. Is that her name? Echo? Yeah. Echo, uh, yes. It's like, so that was like, we're going to bring in some new characters. We're going to elevate some other characters. We've got Kate Bishop now. Like that, that show only existed to, to set mm-hmm. those people up for future things. Yeah. This show is the first one where we've introduced, like, I guess we introduced Kate Bishop, but, like, where we introduced a brand new hero. It's his story only. Yeah. And it's setting him up for whatever. I am afraid, AC, that we're just going to get Ethan Hawke given your classic villain monologue, and then he's going to get killed. And that would feel really disappointing to me because, I, like we've talked about, I think he's really interesting, and I think the character's interesting, yeah. and I think Ethan Hawke's great, but I just don't really see Ethan Hawke signing up for more than just no. this show. Yeah, that's so, what I was going to say. That's why I don't think he's coming back. Not because right. the character, but because there's no, I don't think Ethan Hawke would do more than this. Exactly. So, you know, by the way, I'm reading this Wikipedia entry for, for Ethan Hawke, which is fucking hilarious. So... He said he conceived him as a mix between a monk and a doctor, mm-hmm. and he was inspired by David Koresh, David Koresh, yeah. Carl Jung, Fidel Castro, the Dalai Lama, Tolstoy, Pentecostal televangelist Jimmy Swaggart, Nazi officer Joseph Mengele, the fictional character Nurse Ratched, mm-hmm. and questioning if Steve Jobs was a bad guy. Honestly, I can see more than one of those, but specifically David Koresh is definitely like that's the overwhelming 100%. one. One hundred percent. And I, I remember I actually because I mentioned I this like the seventh time I mentioned this. I remember when they were filming it, he did a tele like a Skype interview for Seth Meyers where he was looking like uh, Arthur Harrow, and Seth Meyers said, "You look like David Koresh," and he's like, "Oh man, that's the thing, man. The character I'm playing right now, like I'm basing him on David Koresh," and so. Uh, Just Ethan Hawke, man. What a what a what a a guy. Because the thing is, is like there's like Jared Leto would say that. Okay. He he would say that. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Ethan Hawke is actually doing that, and he's actually buying in on a six episode Marvel show. Like you you can't you cannot bottle that amount of talent. And but, the thing, too, is unlike Jared Leto, Ethan Hawke apparently had a good time with everyone behind the scenes and wasn't, you know, 
doing cold he wasn't shit. being david crash off camera yeah because yeah. he yeah. i don't know was a healthy human being um but, uh, <laughs> yeah pretty pretty much but yeah i i tend to i tend to agree like because it seems like marvel has I don't know if necessarily a villain problem, but it's just the villains just like always die and they always die unceremoniously um, without any, you know, good follow up to who their characters have been, no matter how compelling that they've been throughout whatever movie or TV series that that they've uh, been in. So, I mean, I think the root of the problem is the contract thing. I think that because a lot of people complain that in comics, obviously, villains stick around forever. Yes. And in comic book movies, even if there's multiple of them, they die at the end. And I really think if you just look, almost all the big actors that get to play villains, they only have on a one contract. Because if you're someone like Kate Blanchett, you're not good. You you don't want to commit to five Thor movies. And so I, I assume that Ethan Hawke didn't commit to anymore because Oscar Isaac apparently didn't commit to anymore. But I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with him. I hope they do something where they like. Do something with the character that he doesn't ever need to come back, and you wouldn't be like, "Wait, is Hyro still alive?" But also, he could come back. You know, like the kind of middle ground where you don't really know. Like maybe he gets banished to the sands mm. or whatever, and they could yeah. somehow do where he comes back. Um, but I don't know. I guess the thing with the finale for me is there's a lot of stuff to close up, but especially compared to Wandavision, I don't feel like there's nearly as m- many loose ends to tie up as there were with Wandavision. Yeah, like, I'm just not as anxious yeah. about it. I. I I don't actually find it an impossible task to finish this all up in one episode, particularly if he's going to continue as a character. No, I agree completely. I think it'll be easy. I'm I'm more interested in the last thing you just said, which is yeah. where the fuck does he fit into everything else, man? Yeah. I have no clue. Like, AC, you're talking about him coming in with, like, Blade and, like, all this other new shit yeah. that we haven't seen. Like, okay. But then, tonally... How how the hell are you going to have a scene with Mark Spector and Khonshu sitting down with Captain Marvel? Do they have t- like what? Like what the fuck are they going to talk about? So my guess okay. is that Khonshu is being yeah, less present. Ahead. I think if they move forward with him, I th- somehow Khonshu is not going to be ever present in every scene with Moon Knight. Well, without Khonshu, we can't summon the suit. I know. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I just, I'm imagining that he's not going to be as, if it's in another person's movie, he's not going to be as present. I'm, I'm pretty, yeah, no, what I'll say about that is because Moon Knight is such a, I would say it's like a, a jack of all trades guy. Like he'll hang out with everybody. He'll hang out with Spider-Man. He'll hang out with Daredevil. He'll hang out with the street level guys. And he'll do the whole supernatural thing because that's his, that's his base. That's his whole, that's his whole thing. I think, and because of the way that they have Oscar Isaac kind of structure, where Oscar will just come in for whatever project I'm sure they decide that they want to use him for, um, he could pop up in random places. But I would say, like, right off the bat, it is pretty clear that they are setting up this whole supernatural. And, you know, we've talked about this before in terms of like the MCU establishing corners all over all over the uh the spectrum just the we got the space stuff we got the multiverse stuff we got the street level street level stuff and now we have this supernatural element that we'll see throughout the rest of this year going into next um so you're going to a more like separated 
future, right? Where like because so my he, my biggest question, yeah. like overall, and I I know we talked about this last time I was here, is like, what right. the fuck does the Avengers look like? In oh, it's a the great next question. Avengers movie. Like, yeah. is Moon Knight in the Avengers? No, no, no. But I also think that the way that at the moment, the MCU has defined the Avengers is just broadly every single superhero. And until they need to define it any other way, I don't... I also I think that what AC's trying to say is that there's going to be, like, probably satellite movies of, like... We, we might not get another big Avengers thing for another, you know, seven, eight years. And in between them, there will be, like, a team-up of four characters that are kind of in the same vibe. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it sounds like Moon Knight and Blade and, you know, Jon Snow are going to hang out. Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, something along those lines. And we'll kind of get to it in a couple of minutes with the Doctor Strange stuff, but it's pretty clear what they're kind of setting up as the big overall arc, but we'll get that get to that in a couple of minutes because I know Maze you asked earlier and I think it was a good question to to come back to in terms of the gods and what that all what all of that means uh, going like, forward with qu- this. Quick, quick question. Can yeah. Captain Marvel punch Khonshu in the face? Not, oh, his, yep. not in the form that appears to Mark, because that, that form right. doesn't appear to other people. Right, okay. it doesn't. Yeah. Okay. It, yeah she it's can't not, crash it's that, that pyramid meeting and beat somebody's that, ass. In that pyramid meeting, she might be able to because they're controlling their avatars. Because the whole reason they need the avatars is because they don't have a corporeal mm, form. Okay. That they can't actually interact with the actual world. Um, okay. so. All right. So it's another, it's a different dimension. Yeah. I mean, the that way that they're, I think they're now. doing the same thing as they did with Asgard with Norse gods, you know, that like they kind of just exist in a different either planet or in this case dimension. Well, and that was the, that was the other thing because a lot of people want to tie in Thor Love and Thunder's story to this whole God thing that's going on, because obviously the gore, the God butcher uh, stuff that's going to be happening in that movie. But I don't think, I don't think God butchers gents. (laughs) We butcher job. We butcher gods for a living. (laughs) I I really, I really can't wait for Christian Bale to sink his teeth into that, that one. Um, That should be really fun. But yeah, the God part, I mean, we have this and the stuff that we saw with the Eternals, and um and Yo, i yeah. finally saw that fuck those guys jesus <laughs> christ what an epic failure that was my god give, give, give me some more maze give me give me give me a minute and a half on on the eternals please that's the first fucking sex scene we get <laughs> what <laughs> i mean look brian tyree henry i love you you're great. You're taking over the world. You might be the best actor going. You were Daniel Kaluuya, but like you want to talk about trying to fit things into other things. Like they they flopped with that. I don't see how any of the like John Snow's gonna go hang out with Blade. Okay, I don't see how any of those people come in and do anything. Like, yeah, is is Moon Knight and Conchu gonna go talk to the Eternals? Like, what? What is the feel? Who cares? I mean, I guess the I I my only pushback on it is at all points in any of this, you could say who cares. No, I agree with with Eternal specifically. No one cares. But I guess I just am, and I said this last week. I'm 
I've never been worried about what two superheroes would do if you had them together. Because it's like, that's why you pay writers. Like, I, what a Moon Knight and Captain Marvel talk about, I don't fucking know. But it's not, like, it, it doesn't feel impossible. I, I hear I hear you, Jake. I, I'm not talking about, like, figuring the scene out itself. I'm yeah. just talking about big picture stuff. Cause, I mean, the good news is Kevin Feige is going on a retreat this weekend. So, you know, I don't know what? if you read that. Oh, they're, they're doing an in-person retreat. Uh, Kevin Feige and a couple of the producers to figure Man, out the next the five ten years. years. The ten years, yeah, the next, ten years, the next ten decade years, right. of Marvel. Yeah, the next decade of Marvel. Yeah, there, the big whiteboard is out. Whoever Kevin Feige's yeah. drug dealer is is cleaning up before this weekend, uh-huh. huh? Yep, one hundred percent. Look, he he was doing. He's going to be on his own astral plane, AC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but but like the yeah. who cares thing. The who cares thing. Like, we're 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 almost thirty movies in. We're mm-hmm. six series in. We're fourteen, fifteen years into this shit. Mm-hmm. I know what I fucking care about. You know, I that's care fair. about Doctor Strange. I care about Kang. Like, that's what I want. If they're gonna, if they've reached this point now where they're building up stuff to, like you say, AC, there's different corners. I think it's different menu items. For You're folks. gonna that's start losing me from all the corn, like. I'm gonna be focusing on my corner yes. that I want to talk about, and yeah. I don't. I don't know if that's what you know. That's like they they were small enough, even though it was huge. They were small enough to get me to watch everything up to this point. And if we're looking at the next five to ten years, it might not be that way. I also would yeah. say though that yeah. I think that people are interested in Doctor Strange, but the Kang stuff specifically, I think, is not the mainstream sentiment of what people care about, just because that's not something that most yeah, people know they're about. they're fucking sheep, Jake. We know this. Like, I mean, there's the same people who are complaining that Moon Knight's not beating enough ass. Like, get <laughs> over it. I guess, I guess the thing with me is I wouldn't even put myself in the same camp as you <laughs> because my capacity right. to care about shit is un. Yeah, you unmatched. tapped out of Legion. We know we're not in the same camp, all right? <laughs> exactly. But like, well, what, what is it that you want to see? You know? Honestly, like, I'll watch all of it. I, I, I like just seeing the maximalism of it. That's kind of the thing I love about the MCU, is that the, when AC talked about there being different menu items, it's like, hell yeah, I've always liked being the person that will consume every single thing on the menu and synthesize it myself. That's the thing I'm Yeah, but in. what happened is, is that we went from a Michelin star, like, prefix menu to now it's the fucking Cheesecake Factory, and you're never going to be able to eat all this shit. <laughs> That's, I mean... <laughs> The th- I, I understand, but the thing I have to understand about me is my immediate thought when you said that was, you're goddamn right, I'll try. Like, I just am not deterred by that. <laughs> oh, I, I thought just... you were going to say I love the Cheesecake Factory. But, yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate the Cheesecake Factory. I'm from Punago to Florida. I have nothing no, nothing bad to say. <laughs> nothing bad to say about chain restaurants ever. But yeah. um, anyway, uh, this is off the rails, AC. Let's, let's, let's get this. Uh... Fuck the rails, right. guys. All right, quickly, give me your rankings. We've had five live action Disney Plus shows. Rank of one through five. AC, you're first. Oh, shoot. All right. So, like, I, I mean, I know Falcon and the Winter Soldier is at the bottom. Um, Same note, too, bro. Um, I. I said I, th- I think I said this at the end of last year, and I still kind of feel the same after rewatching it. As much, as much as I really, really enjoyed Loki and really like it because of the character development and everything else. Um, I think there was just a there was just an aspect of WandaVision when it when it first came out that had me um very captivated from the from the beginning not only her her character 
and kind of just like the mystery aspect of everything. Now, did it land? Did it end flat? Yeah, it, it did end flat. But I think the overall totality of the show, um, I enjoyed it that much that when I went back and rewatched it, I was like, oh, okay, this still hits the same for me. And and that's why I would say a, a slight nod, uh, nod over Loki. Um, after Loki, I would say right now Moon Knight would uh, you know slide into the third the third slot, and then um, Hawkeye would be fourth, and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier would be last. Yeah, that's where I'm I'm exactly the same. I'm exactly the same. But I would say that the gap between four and five is bigger than the gap between any of the other ones. And yeah. also, I rewatch I rewatched WandaVision with my dad uh, right after Christmas when I was back home, and I think it's one of those things where watch rewatching it, the finale wasn't good, but it didn't bother me as much at all. Like it, like I think watching it in totality, I'm also generally a proponent of like, unless everything is reversed. I'm not going to let a bad finale ruin the magic of the beginning of it. And watching it with my dad and like seeing him go through the experience of not knowing what was going on and just all the crazy shit. Like I think that that is just kind of unmatched and, uh, but Loki's a close second and then a gap and then Moon Knight and then Hawkeye, which I like Hawkeye a lot because it's fun. And then uh Falcon on the shoulder. And then below that, what if just if we're counting. What if? Right. I, and I just want to add this. I want to add this other point and to, you know, to really talk about like WandaVision and, I think WandaVision at the end of the day, despite its finale, did what it designed itself to do, was to get Wanda over as an incredibly powerful character, use her trauma to move her forward into what she's about to be in Doctor Strange, which we'll get to in a second. But Maze, uh, give us your give us your five. Yeah, Loki's number one easily. Uh, it's the only one of these shows that is that cracked my top 10 shows of the year. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that was the standout for me. I agree with what you just said about WandaVision. I think WandaVision also faced a ton of scrutiny because it was like the first show on television after all of 2020 when nothing was getting made. Um, So yeah, Loki number one, WandaVision number two, Hawkeye and Moon Knight. So Moon Knight was below Hawkeye before this last episode. Now I think Moon Knight has jumped Hawkeye, but we'll see mm-hmm. how they stick the landing. If they don't stick mm-hmm. the landing, then it might drop back down. Yeah. Then you got a long way down there, Falcon and Winter Soldier. But I'm going to throw one quick wrinkle at you guys. Mm-hmm. I would go Loki, and then I would go Peacemaker. I would take Peacemaker over every other piece of I MCU would probably. TV. I would take... It's close. If, if we would, were ranking really it combined, yeah, Peacemaker, Peacemaker is. I right really up love there. Peacemaker. Yeah, I don't even. I, I'd have to think about it because I've thought about these TV show rankings a lot, but I, I would want to think about it before I made any declarations. Um, but no, uh, I, I really did like Peacemaker a lot. Uh, I really want to taste it. I also <laughs> would really like to taste it, and I would love and, to know what they are talking about that <laughs> I am supposed to be tasting. The thing is, the one the band that did it is one of those like European bands. They make songs in English, so like I don't even know if they knew what they're talking about. You know, they what I mean? don't, which just yeah. makes it a better mystery. You know, <laughs> oh man, season two we'll have to figure that out. Uh, I can't, I can't wait for season two of Peacemaker. But before we go, before we go, uh, we we said um, me and Maze that we were going to talk a little bit about Doctor Strange, and I guess we we could kind of use this as a, like a little bit of a preview. And also talk about some of the alleged cameos that mm-hmm. might happen. 
But uh, Maze, I will throw it to you in terms of your your excitement level for this movie. What are you expecting? It's it seems like it's going to be something really, really grand. Yeah, I I had a pretty long hiatus even before COVID of like not really going to see movies in the theater. Like I saw Infinity War in the theater, and I saw. You know, I, I would go see the the movie that I knew was going to get spoiled for me if I didn't. Yeah. But for the most part, I was like, whatever, I'll wait. Mm-hmm. I'm back on movie theaters, guys. I'm in. I've already seen Spider-Man and Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Mm-hmm. And oh man, there's another one that I went and saw that I'm blanking on right now. And I have to go see The Northman. But I'm back in Not on movie too. theaters. Mm-hmm. And I have next Thursday at 4 p.m. cleared out. I'm mm-hmm. shutting everything down. I'm going with uh, a friend who bought a shitload of tickets and they're all jacked up for it. And I am so stoked because I know that I, I've been, you know, there was the trailer that came out and there was all of the Tom Cruise-ification that, that spun <laughs> out of that. And I was like, good God, people, we all need to relax. But... <laughs> I'm trying as hard as I can to shut it down. I know that whatever they're releasing is just the tip of the iceberg. Like, there's so much more. I was talking to my friends who are going to go see it with, and they're like, yeah, we're watching the old Doctor Strange to prepare. I'm like, you can't fucking prepare for this shit. Like, whatever you do, it's going to rip your brain apart. What the hell does Scott Derrickson have to say that's relevant in this conversation? Dude, like, he's been out of the game. Like, Doctor Strange, the original, like, Pangborn playing fucking pickup hoops, that is ancient history, dude. We are way past this shit. Uh Uh-huh. Unless there's multiple Pangborns in this multiverse of madness. Yo, if Pangborn shows up, I'm going to fucking shout in the theater. Yo, if there's there's five Pangborns hooping together, like, on a court in the the middle of... Of, of Kang's palace at the end of time. Like, yeah, that would be pretty sick, but I don't think that's going to happen. No. Um, I, I am, I'm in a very nice place where I know that I'm going to have a lot to react to and there's nothing that I'm really like pulling for mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm ready dog. Like, let's go. Yep. Let's do this shit. Let's take it to the next level. Uh, Jake, Jake, how about you? Like, I mean, obviously we talk about these things all the time, but just now that we're basically a week out now, uh, the, the thing where that you is at basically, the thing that has really made me excited as these, have, as the weeks have gone on is I think I've gotten pretty good at parsing director speak when talking about movies and telling if they're going to be good. And I also feel like Sam Raimi is, you know, a vet. He's, you know, a legend. He doesn't need to bullshit about it. And I really get the vibe that he loved doing it. And I think that usually that is a good sign for a film. And even if it doesn't have, like, the crazy shaky cameras and crazy shit that, like, you know, Evil Dead 2 does, I think that having him at the helm of it makes me... Not, I mean, I think that Spider-Man No Way Home also proved that, like, worrying about cameos and stuff overshadowing the movie is kind of, like, not not that big of a worry generally, especially if they're not going to be main characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that if there's a clear vision behind this, 
and then the cameos and stuff get to be cool window dressing, then I think that that's like the best of both worlds. And that's what it's looking like it's going to be. And I think that the way that the marketing has really played up the different Doctor Stranges as being yes. like the focal point, I, that really excites me because I think that that is something that I know Sam Raimi can do really well. The man loves to have people fight versions of themselves. Um, and, uh, I, and I think that dealing with the different aspects and all that stuff, the, what they're showcasing in the trailers, besides the new ones that show cameos and stuff, is all the stuff that I am most interested in in the idea of a of the movie as currently constructed. And so, like, hell, bring it on. Um, as I pointed out on Twitter, and uh, Maze, I think you'll be interested in this, really excited about the fact that somehow Michael Stuhlbarg got the with credit. That's big for him. That's a big career upgrade. I'm happy wow. for him. Like, that's big for him, right? He went from being, like, the guy from all those movies, and now he's got a fucking with credit. Is there an and? Yeah, it's Anne Rachel McAdams. She's obviously wow. guy. I mean, if she's in it, she's got to get the and. Which is how you know she's not in Taking it. Taking his lunch, dude. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, no, he's happy to be there. He does didn't. It would never be Anne Michael Stuhlbarg. Let's not Stuhlbarg. Yeah. Stuhlbarg. What a great actor, though, man. Shout out to Nicodemus guy. West. I'm, I hope that he they they give him his villainous turn because Nicodemus West is a villain, right? In the comics, AC. Yes. Yes, yeah. I believe so. I believe so. So. All right. For me, it kind of comes down to this. And I mentioned this because of WandaVision earlier. There's a couple of things going on here. Wanda and the Darkhold. Wanda kind of getting on her what if strange vibe. Because that's what I think is going to be kind of like the story of this. In order to get the kids, just like Doctor Strange in the what if episode was trying to save Christine basically absorbing and going into whatever type of journey that she's going to try in order to gain the power to access her ch her children and that's that story and where it takes her the path and what she's willing to do for those kids that part on its own i'm there dr strange um clearly like after his role in No Way Home and everything that happened with that, it will be the results of him dealing with the aftermath. So I, I like that character stuff there. And just generally, like I know Maze mentioned Kang, like where this is, we know kind of where this is going. Eventually the buildup to the big tent pole and whenever this happens, that'll be the thing, Secret Wars. I mean, uh, I mean, on the way to this, we'll have Quantum Mania, which will be another Kang vehicle. But this whole thing, kind of, this is the big start. Like, mm -hmm. Loki was kind of the appetizer. This is the first main course. And I'm excited to just see how we see all of these different versions of these characters. And honestly, the role that America Chavez plays, because she's a big part of what mm -hmm. the multiverse is. So, like, just the multiverse Introducing stuff. Introducing lesbians been... to the MCU—that's that's her role that she's going to play. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you look at some fan edits, that already happened when Kate Bishop met uh, met Yelena. So, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, the, so, the, so that'll be a thing. Um, Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia. They won't get to experience movie. that. Yeah, that's no, no. Movie. 
I will also say, quick thing you mentioned with Darkhold, another thing Sam Raimi is really good at making movies about is ancient books that have consequences when you read them. Mm. He's got experience. <laughs> it's man, got it's ancient book experience. Yeah, that looks good I, on a resume. Guys. I mean, how many other directors can you say that about? I mean, probably a couple, but um, ancient books. Whoever directed uh, The Never Ending Story, uh, Wolfgang Peterson. Uh, yeah. so he has some. Wolfie, I don't know if he's still alive, but anyway, Bruce but Campbell la- as Superior Iron yes. Man. Yeah, thoughts? <laughs> I hope so. I'm excited to see where he is. Yeah, because um, you know, we're gonna see him. Um, at some point, we we obviously have we know Lashana Lynch is mm-hmm. is back as uh, Maria Rambeau's Captain Marvel. Uh, mm-hmm. Haley Atwell, we should be expecting as uh, Captain Carter from What If. Mm-hmm. Can and, I throw uh, my crazy one out there? There's a crazy one. Yeah, that I've been go, go, on. Yeah, this is my crazy one, and this is the thing I've always wanted to see in a multiverse movie because it is a thing that is objectively true about the multiverse. I want one of the people who comes in the universe to be. Benedict Cumberbatch, who plays Doctor Strange in movies. Because that is a universe that exists if the multiverse is true. If the multiverse is true, that means that there is a universe in which there is a guy named Benedict Cumberbatch who looks exactly like Stephen Strange, who stars in a movie called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, directed by Sam Raimi. Now, they don't need to do all of that, but I've always (laughs) wanted to see a character go into a different universe where they interact with the actor that plays them. That's like you really, you really want like Mandarin Ben Kingsley, but even crazier. Yeah, because I also think that I you mean, want Trevor that, Slattery to meet the Trevor Slattery the, to meet the Mandarin that looks like Trevor Slattery. Yes. Now, is this a, th- a thing I repurposed from when I asked myself as a teenager what the episode of Doctor Who I would make would be? Of course it is. But Doctor, is just Doctor, you know. Like no, I mean, like yeah. Would, like, would, did I always think like it would be really cool if David Tennant went, his doctor went to another universe, and then David Tennant had to pretend to be the doctor and use the sonic screwdriver and stuff? Yeah, that would be cool, and that's what I wanted to see. But now I want to see it with Doctor Strange, if at all possible. Thank you very much. Oh, I dig it. I dig it. Uh, me, it's the Illuminati. Uh, what these, whoever, whoever shows up there, we know a couple of them. Uh, per Professor. Professor Xavier is the obvious one. Which version of that is is a question that I'm that I'm curious about. And the heavy rumor, if it if it is true, and we get a version of Reed Richards, that would be very very fun. Uh, now, who plays him? That that part is interesting. Hey man, I was just talking to Young Grafud's agent, and that dude has been available. So I would say it's probably going to be him. That's that would be my money. I mean, we've talked about Krasinski. Like, Krasinski seems like what you do for the actual real. I Reed just, I've said it before. I think that that is the it, Marvel has had a lot of inspired casting choices, and that feels so uninspired to me that I just I really we're just running out of people, Jake. Like, no, it's they've, easy. they've used the up really people. Easy. easy William Jackson Harper. That's the answer. That's who you guessed. Um, you know. Anyway. Krasinski has been the long, the long fan cast for years and years and years and years and years. And years. I, I guess the thing so. with him too is that Richard is supposed to be really, really smart, and John Krasinski never re- he reads like clever, but I never think of I I would never buy him as a super genius. I just I'm, maybe I'm just a hater, especially well, with the beard. I wouldn't buy it. I mean, who 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 acts the sm- like who is the 
who are the actors that act smart? I like William Jackson Harper. That's a good shout. I I love I mean, him. I, he, I guess he reads as smart, but and but also I guess I think John Krasinski is just not very cerebral. Mm. I guess is what I would say that I just don't really think of him as someone who most of his life is in in his head. Um, I think he's a very mm. empathetic actor, and I don't think that I think Reed Richards kind of can't be that. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but I also, not, I also yeah I also just don't like the idea of a long fan cast being the ultimate decision. I that makes sure. me kind of mad. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, when I think AC and I were throwing this around, he asked me like a while ago, and I'm like, I, it's honestly hard to come up with names. They've, they've yeah. burned through so many good actors. Yeah. And like, I guess, and then, and then once you get down to like, if you, what age is he going to be? That really yeah. is the question, right? Because you, yeah. you, if you're going to cast a Reed Richards, you'd prefer him to be young ish. Yeah. Because you want the Fantastic Four to be like a tentpole thing. And mm-hmm. if you're going young actor, it's like, well, Timothy Chalamet is not available. Yeah, he's Dune. That was Dune before Dune. Willy that Wonka. was my answer. That was my answer before Dune. Well, yeah, because he was, he's he's your like cerebral wild card. You know? like, yeah. Oh, and, we need an actor who's like yeah. good looking and can act. Chalamet. Yeah, I, it's like, it, oh, it, Lucas yeah. Hedges. If we're in a pinch, like that's, that's what I was it. gonna say. I was gonna say Lucas Hedges, but Lucas Hedges is too much of a nice boy. I think that's the problem there. Right. I I, I think ultimately, like, yeah. I think the age thing is very important to think about because so many fan casts, I feel like that's how we end up with Mark Ruffalo going to be 60, still having to put on mocap. You know, I just wish yeah. my, I wish I have a rule of if there's a character that you want to be around for more than 10 years, you are not allowed to cast someone over the age of 40 to play them. <laughs> like just stop doing it. Um, anyway. Right. Right. And yeah, we, man, I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, same. We're a week away. It's going to be fun. We still got one more episode of Moon Knight left. The finale. It's going to be a packed MCU University uh, moment. Moments over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be it's going to be wild for us uh, to kind of just like dive into all of this content. But hey, that's what we're here for. So looking forward to that. Uh, Anthony Mays, thank you so much for joining us once again. We we appreciate you coming on and giving us your knowledge as always. Uh, give us the follows and and tell us what you're doing on your your brand new ventures. Oh my god! All right, at Corn Puzzle, that's that's me, Maze Maze. You can find me on the platforms. We got Cinephobe. We mm-hmm. got Basketball Illuminati. We got Underdogs, which is Tom's show with Peter Keating and Jordan Brenner, where he talks about long shots and the little guys. We just interviewed Austin Eckler. That's coming out Friday. Noted twitch. Then there's then there's the Count the Ding squad still do the mailbag. I talk about winning time in Atlanta with Jason Madison and Bethany Anderson. That also comes out on Fridays. Jade Very and his show. brother and I are talking about Saul. That's on the Patreon. Uh, there's the next chapter with Prim Pad and producing that podcast. You know, there's just a whole bunch of shit. I got my six infinity stones of podcasts on my gauntlet and every once in a while I make it snap, you know? I mean, as someone who would like to just do nothing but talk and come up with ideas for podcasts for a living, you really live in the dream. And so I want to say that I envy you and almost resent you, but mostly envy because you're a nice guy. Thank you, Jake. I appreciate your honesty and directness of coveting what I do. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you're you doing this podcast, and I've been following you guys for a long time. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to pretend like... Yeah, I mean, this and is... And I'm proud of you, sir, for Thank all you that much. you do. So how about that? A compliment to your 
covetous words. Yeah, so and I should have I should have phrased mine as a compliment. I'm legitimately very happy for you. It. Thanks so much, guys. Let's rock. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. Oh, oh man, love you, Maze. Uh, Jake, Jake, where where can we follow you, brother? Uh, follow me on Twitter at the Jake Christie. This guys, do still doing the charity fundraiser on five seven. Please uh, donate to Equality Florida, and when you donate, you submit it and tell me what movies you want me to watch on the stream. Uh, AC is going to be there. Anthony Mays, yes. I are you are you still a maybe? Are you uh, can you make it? I'm a maybe on Saturdays, but just remind me before it goes down, and I will figure out a way to show up. All right, yeah, no problem. It's the great thing is it's 24 hours, so you have 24 hours to show up. Uh, got a bunch of guests lined up. Just announced today that uh, Sean Jordan of the All Fantasy Everything Pop will be appearing. Got some other cool guests that I'm announcing as I confirm with them. Uh, that's the thing when you ask someone to do something a month out, you have to ask them again before you say it publicly, uh, which is frustrating. Yes. Um, but anyway, please, please, please donate to that. I want to raise, you know, $5,000 at least. Cause it's, a uh, uh, being from Florida, obviously people make fun of it a lot. And, uh, but I do legitimately love it. And I kind of am horrified by what's going on and want to do what I can to help, you know, support LGBTQ rights down there. So please, if you can, uh, donate $5 even, uh, it really makes a difference. Absolutely, man. It's a great cause. Um, yeah. Like Jake mentioned, I'll, I'll be there with him at some point. I don't know what time yet, but I will be uh, there. I will definitely I, be I there. I don't. I don't know. We will see what happens, but um, you can follow me at Anthony Canton underscore three. I am covering the NBA playoffs for Murphy's Multiverse.com, uh, doing the Western Conference, a lot of stuff on the Western Conference. I'll have something on the Denver Nuggets and their elimination to the uh, Golden State Warriors and what their future will look like and, and stuff like that. But obviously, you can follow this show at MC University Pod on Twitter. We have the Patreon at MC University Pod. Check us out. Two bonus episodes a month at the minimum. Um, things will be picking up there. And as and I will say this because Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is coming out. The multiverse is a grand place. So you mm-hmm. never know where anybody or everybody will be showing up where they are. We will find out as we go over the next week or so. It should be a fun time. So for Anthony Mays and Jake Christie, I'm Anthony Kantz on the third. This has been Marvel Cinematic University, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs>